name is Jessica McCauley. I am a professional cliff diver diving for Team Canada, and I was third in the World Championships for two years and second overall in the Red Bull Cliff Diving World Series for two, two years in a row. And I'm Heath Calhoun. And I'm Aaron Rooney. And you know, this podcast is brought to you by Sideline Scout. Uh, kind of more on the traditional dive diving side of things, Sideline Scout and Poolside Live specifically to hone in on those key details. Um, but yeah, make sure you get over to sidelinescout.com, get hooked up with the best video replay in the business, by far our most important tool on the pool deck for our sport. Um, and also another uh, episode to mention is number two of the diving pod. It is our diving 101. It uh, explains the numbers, the letters, and how to score points. Uh, for some of you listening that might be in the high diving scene, it's uh, I'm sure a whole lot different, but uh, we're excited to talk to Jess tonight to get um, some more insights into that world. And then our last sponsor for right now is Crossbar. You can go to divingpod.com. We partnered up with them to give us a website. Um, we've had some articles written by some former divers, some people that have looked at some statistics for diving as well, which are pretty interesting to read. Uh, but most importantly, our first ever diving pod clinic will be taking place June 7th to the 9th at Clarion, where I coach. Um, Aaron is going to be flying down. We're going to be hosting the first dive pod clinic. We're going to be able to go over some basics, some video review, some sports psychology, and then we'll cap it off on the last day with a bracket challenge um, competition for the divers that are attending. Um, so you can go to divingpod.com. Under the top bar, there will be a, a link that says programs. You can scroll right down to diving pod clinic, and you're able to sign up right there. So we hope to see you all in June. But without further ado, Jess, we're going to jump right in. Hit us with a book movie and tv show recommendation all right book rich dad poor dad tv show anything true crime on netflix and movie i'd have to say cellular this is like my my movie that i go back to when i was a kid i've never seen that or even heard of it that's kind of a new one i like it so um, so have you watched the new documentary they just came out with what's it called like american nightmare about the girl that got yeah. kidnapped Dude, yeah. me and my wife are watching it. It's a crazy. It's so good. Anytime a true kind documentary pops up on Netflix, I'm all in. Love it. Love <laughs> it. Very good. So what's your favorite food, favorite music, and then maybe a fun fact? Of course. So my favorite food is eggs. Love scrambled eggs. My favorite music is, right now it's like French pop. And a fun fact about me is I lived in Malaysia for seven years growing up. That's cool. What's different about Malaysia than uh, where are you in Canada now? I'm assuming. Yes, I'm in Montreal. There's a lot of things different about Malaysia. So <laughs> culture is completely different. We're talking about Asia here. Um, so it's like a melting pot of different cultures because it's very international there. I grew up with a dad in oil and gas. So we traveled mm. quite a bit and only settled down in the States when I was nine and then eventually <laughs> moved here to Canada uh, three years ago. Cool. Wow. Very and then cool. I, I have another one on here. Any hobbies that we need to be aware of? Okay. Yeah, I got all the hobbies. Dancing, <laughs> improv, public speaking, climbing. Um, those are my top for now. But, oh, and I started crocheting. I just started crocheting about a couple months <laughs> ago. And I'm crocheting everything from, like, turtles to snakes to... You know, you're you're kind of putting a myth to the, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, because yeah. you're still a master high diver. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, this is crazy. A master of one and a jack of all. There <laughs> nice. <it is. laughs> nice. That's awesome. All right, Jess, take us through your journey. One, 
just from the jump saying you've lived, lived in Malaysia for seven years, just kind of walk us through how you got involved in this, in the sport, where you are now and how you got there. Yeah. Amazing. Um, I got involved in the sport pretty much as soon as I moved to Texas, my sister was always a swimmer and I like, I just wanted to be a swimmer so bad for years, for some reason I wasn't able to. And then I hopped in the water for the first time to join the swim team in Texas. And I swam for, I think like two months max. And I was like, oh, what is this? Like, this is so boring. And I saw the divers and I was like, I need to do that. So I think it was really the water that was calling me, but not so much the swimming. And when I saw the diving, I was like, I need to be there. My purpose in life is just to play. And so I was always attracted to diving because that's what it always felt like to me. It just felt like I was showing up and I was playing with my friends and I was experimenting and trying new things. And so I kept with the sport all through my high school years and into college. I went to Texas A&M and that's where I really developed my, my platform diving skills. And then again, after university, I was faced with a life decision. Like, what am I, what am I supposed to do now? I don't, I don't want to work. I don't want to get a job. I want to play. And that's when I found out about performing and high diving. So I, I did a couple of um, fair shows at, at theme parks and fairs. And then I moved to China for almost two years and I was in a circus there. And that's where I learned to high dive from 20 to 22 meters. And actually we had a bridge that was 15 meters that was pretty close by. And that's where I like really developed my skills. And I learned like so many dives in one day. I think I learned like back double and back triple in the same day and off a 15 meter bridge. And then in that moment, you're shaking your head. Like, I know I got, that blew my mind looking back at that. Like, I can't believe I did that. And that was the day I just, something clicked in me. I was like, I'm made for this. I have like potential. I'm going to make this happen. And then I got out of the circus. I did my first Rebel Cliff diving event in Portugal in 2017, fell in love. And, and then I got another show on a cruise ship for a year. And I just felt like my heart was pulling me. It was like aching to go back to competition. And the cruise ship was holding me back a little bit. Um, it, was a, it was a great experience. But when I got off that ship, it felt like I finally got these like chains off me and I got to do what I wanted to do that I was like striving for forever. And really felt like I hit the ground running. I learned like dive after dive and getting into high diving at that time back in 2018 um, is, it was like incredible, crazy what we were doing. We were training our lower heights, Low, lower heights is 10 meters and below. So we're training on 10 meters and below. And then we go to these competitions on 22 meters and we're putting together all the pieces and we're mm. learning our dives. Like I was learning my dives the day before I was competing them. So that's crazy. You're nuts. What a journey. Yeah. So You're now nuts. like seven years later, I've been competing in the sport and now I'm rounding out my career. I've been twice overall in the rebel cliff diving world series and um, just had my last rebel cliff diving competition in New Zealand about a week ago, placed third. So we're still we're still pushing, we're still going hard. And then in two weeks, I have my final competition of my life, world championships in Qatar. And then I'm gonna be retired. Oh my, oh my gosh. That's that's really cool. Okay, so I had a follow-up. Let's talk about the China circus. Like, is was it did it have a name? I had a a 
not a teammate, but somebody I went to a bunch of diving camps with. She was in, um, boy, a house of dancing water. Yeah. So no, we weren't in the house of dancing water. There are a okay. few like diving shows in China. We were in one called the Guion International Circus, and it was just a circus that was open for two years total, from start to finish. Lots of crazy, corrupt problems, but it was like we were really all in this thing together. <laughs> Wow, that's that's really cool. I mean, that whole like show diving world is another world within the small diving community, right? I feel yeah. like there's like kind of three avenues. You have this traditional diving world that only lasts, you know, so long as long as your body can handle. And then you have a high diving avenue and you have a show diving avenue. And it's just really cool that there are different pathways if you want to stay in the sport after your college seasons. Yeah, I think we're truly lucky lucky to have a sport that's so beautiful and people love to watch. And there's so many things you can do with it after. Like whenever I retired from collegiate diving, it was like a whole new world opened up to me. Yeah. All right. I'm really interested. I saw your Instagram handle, something about an authenticity coach. Can you go into some details about that? I'd love to hear more. Yeah, I'd love to. So I've been coaching now for a couple of years, life coaching. Hmm. And I just recently changed my niche to the authenticity coach. So I coach my clients on showing up authentically in their life. And the reason why I chose this is because this is something that I've struggled with in my past, like really being true to myself. I feel like it's something um, in the back of my mind that's always playing. Like, I want this person to like me, you know, and mm -hmm. I've been editing the version of myself so I can show up in a way that pleases others. And really through this retirement, I've gotten to know and love pieces and parts of myself that um, I haven't really seen before. And and this, yeah, this retirement journey is just an, it's like an opportunity for me to know and love myself deeper. And as I do that, I'm really realizing that this is the work and this is the support that I want to provide to other people in the world who feel like they're not free to be themselves and they just want to be like they just want to express themselves and they want to live a life that they love and not prioritize other people over themselves. Sure. How's the reception been? I mean, that sounds incredibly empowering. Yeah, I think people love it. Like I get a lot of support. I get a lot of messages saying like what you're saying is really helpful. And I'm seeing like the more that I'm able to show up as myself, the more like people love to see that. I think we're I hear a lot from women, like, I'm afraid to be seen, you know, I really want to show myself, but I'm afraid to be seen. But on the other end of that, people want to see you, the people that love and care about you, they want to see how big and how bold and beautiful you really are. I did a little bit of Instagram scrolling before you got on here. And like, there's a couple of videos of you dancing and a couple of the, you know, the public speaking that you said, and it's, it just looks like you're a positive influence, a positive role model for a lot of people out there. So we appreciate that. Thank you so much. All right, Jess. So walk our listeners through what is the energy vibe kind of like when you're doing high diving? It looks very similar to a traditional style meet, but you guys are psychos. So it has to be. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll say you guys are insane. So it ha there has to be something different. Like wait, when you guys are wait. standing like. 27 meters up <laughs> yeah no I have a question for you you think it looks the same as a regular me because I think it looks totally different I, I think like to me the energy on the ground now 100 feet up different animal I don't know what's going on up there when you but like 
into like, and I guess I'm looking at it from the lens of the last world championships, like in a yeah. pool setting, as opposed to like Red Bull events look way more fun to me than anything else. So maybe even talking about the differences there and your experience throughout that and how is it different than traditional diving? Yeah, totally. There's, there's three different vibes. You got the diving vibe and then you've got the high diving vibe at Red Bull and the high diving vibe vibe at world championships. Okay. And, um, I think the diving vibe is a little bit more serious. Um, the sport itself is more competitive. You have more athletes in it more like, uh, like the hours you have to put in to be a diver mm. are a lot more than to be a competitive high diver. Mm. So from my perspective, like I'm a little bit more freestyle. I would Let's say I, I've only been training three times a week for the last two years. Oh my gosh. Um, I know. Right. So this, this is just like, this is fun. This is play for me, but I'm still like number. Well, this year I'm number five in the world, but like to be that competitive, like I've, I've put in my work and now I'm just playing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I feel like at competitions. Um, at a, at a Red Bull competition, it feels like you're at a party each country is also different they have their own vibe but on the ground there's thousands of people they've got their red bull cans half of them have their beer cans and they're, <laughs> they're, like they're vibing to the music they're dancing and it's the same for me on the platform i can't speak for the other athletes but i'm on the platform i i hear my song like they play uh turbulence for me or they play um some other techno song that i requested and then they call my name and i'm just like dancing and i'm pointing at the crowd and we're dancing together and then and then it gets serious and then i focus on my dive you know so there's a balance there's a push and pull between like uh, i'm partying but then i'm also really serious and i take it seriously as well like i want to place i want to nail my dives and and when i don't do that i'm a little bit disappointed in myself um but the most important thing for me at a rebel competition is to enjoy myself. Yeah. And then the same also goes for like world championships, world cup, any world aquatic meet. Mm -hmm. It's just um, also a little bit more serious. So we're seeing like mm -hmm. kind of like the middle between Red Bull comps and diving. Okay. And I think that's where high diving is going in the world championships because um, we have more athletes. Yeah. And so at high diving, we have 24 athletes total. And so we're more, intermingled the, the countries are more intermingled whereas like at world aquatics you have more athletes and you start to see them separating into countries like you do okay. see diving. so yeah um, i think i got in like at a really really precious time to see um just a high diving family you know and we still yeah. have that, but it is changing a little bit so awesome. talk about like the support between athlete to athlete i mean yeah. when i prompted this question that was maybe more of the similarities than uh than like the actual meat structure itself it seems like the diving community is just always supportive right we we want to win of course but also we would love to see you know this other high diver is doing something crazy i'm gonna watch because this is really cool is that kind of the same thing yeah i think because high diving is still relatively new we're all pushing the sport so when you see someone do a new dive you're all working towards the same goal of pushing mm. the sport. They're accomplishing something in this journey together. And also the fact that it's just so terrifying. We're bonding over this really scary experience. You know, yeah. everybody, yeah, everybody's at where they're at in their journey. I know everybody is overcoming some sort of fear. And so 
you know, as a high diver, what it feels like to do that. And when you see someone else do that, it just brings up that feeling again for yourself. And then you're able to share that together. Sure. You mentioned in training, you do, you know, your dives in pieces, trying them on the lower levels. And then, you know, it's, it's near meat day. And then you have to kind of put it together. What is that like? You want to know the pieces? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would, I would love to know the pieces. And then like, there's got to be a moment when you're okay. Now I have to put all of it together. Get me inside the brain of Jess. Like, what are you thinking at that point? Yeah. So I'll walk you through one of my experiences uh, for, yeah. my, for my quad half. This is something that I don't compete now. I, I competed it at a few competitions, but it was a big deal for me to learn this. And the pieces were like front three and a half on 10 meter and then double half on 10 meter. And also the lead ups for front, front three and a half, you know, like front one and a half on three meter. Yep. Um, so all of those pieces. And then then also doing it in my head while just like standing on the ground, you know, like imagining, okay, for three and a half, see the water. Okay. But actually now kick your legs over your feet and then do a brandy and land on your feet. So I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm putting, I'm doing the pieces at home. This is when I was back in Texas, I was like training a front three and a half and the brandies, um, the double halves, and then imagining it in my head. And then I flew to China to go to a training camp. Cause that was like one of the only 20, 22 or 20 meters and I got there and I just felt like so much stress and anxiety like oh I'm here I gotta do it and um yeah it's just about like making the decision and trusting yourself and I remember up to the 20 meter I stood there and and then I didn't go and I talked to one of my Red Bull cliff diving teammates his name's Steve and he was like, yeah, this happens. Like, just get the courage up another day. It's fine. This doesn't mean anything. And so a couple of days later, I went up again and my coping skills were wild back then. I remember like chanting to myself, like, you got this, you got this, you got this, you can do it. You can do it. <laughs> you know, like just saying anything. So those negative thoughts weren't coming through. And then I did the countdown and then I, I went for it. And really in that moment, like I, I've been in this situation a couple of times where I just tell myself like, I have, I don't know how it's going to go. I just have to trust myself right now that my body is going to do what I've trained it to do. And then Mm. you go, it's worked out every time. And yeah, it's just really a leap of faith in that moment. That's cool. So so I I do have a follow-up question. And before anything else, I should clarify when I say psychos, I mean that in the most complimentary way possible. (laughs) I would never do that. But my follow-up is because I asked Aaron this before we started is do you th- do you think the Chinese will sooner or later take over high diving the same way they have traditional diving? Yeah, I think so. I think they're coming. Um, I think when it becomes an Olympic sport, they'll take it seriously, you know? Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. That's a great, yeah, great perspective. Yeah, they, almost, they almost never do one meter at these uh... – world championship events so i would assume you know same kind of thing if high diving is an olympic event i would assume they're going to be represented i had actually one more follow-up what kind of impact does your body take when you hit the water at that height you know i just i can't imagine i mean it's got to feel like concrete at times how do you stay in shape and what do you do to make sure that you don't hurt yourself yeah it's pretty intense um there's a lot of neck strengthening exercises that we do. I know we're landing on our feet, but the neck is 
like something that Man. gets really tweaked also the shoulders the knees and the um adductor so a lot of like banded workout stuff to mm. uh, strengthen those little muscles but yeah. that impact is really strong and what i'm doing now because i'm training three times a week and kind of like backing off a little bit is i really um i'm selective about how many impacts i do like i i do as little as possible sure yeah, that makes sense. All right. So we're just ahead of Doha, Qatar, high diving. What are you looking forward to? And is there, do you guys get a chance to go see the sites while you're there? Like, give me a little insight there. Yeah. Great question. Um, I think I want to do like a little bit of sand duning. I, I haven't really looked into what there is to do in Qatar, but we're going to be there for two weeks. So I want to check it out. I want to see the sights. I really want to soak up this last competition with mm. all of the high divers. Um, I feel like my heart is really open to just connecting and experiencing everything. Let that be like sadness and grief and joy and gratitude. Um, I'm I'm here for it all. And I'm here to compete as well. Like it's my last <laughs> but it, I'm taking it seriously for sure. Which, uh, which dives do you compete? Okay, so we're competing four directions now. So I compete inward double half, front triple okay. half, front triple half, reverse triple and back triple. Are the reverse and back tuck? So it's inward double half pike, front triple half pike, reverse triple tuck, and back triple pike. Cool. And do you have a favorite of those? Back triple pike is my dive. <laughs> yeah, no way. <laughs> I uh, I don't I don't think I could stomach it. There's no way. <laughs> have you guys seen the the structure in Florida? The high dive structure? Yes. Oh, it looks awesome. Yeah, it's the best. That's what I've our, only our... seen it in pictures and videos. I've never actually been in person, but I'm dying to get down there. Yeah. Yeah. That's what our group our group chat for the world championships is like. We we were joking because we've been doing fantasy diving, so we like draft people's dives. And we hate it because we had to stay up late last night to draft because of the time difference. And we're like, all right, we just have to convince them to always run these events in North America on East coast time. So that way fantasy diving can be run at the right time. And someone was like, we need to bring the Fort Lauderdale event back because everything is right there at that pool. Yeah. But um, yeah. So, all right, Jess, what advice would you give to a young diver that looks at you as a role model? And what advice would you have for them? Okay. Um, I thought about this question and the first thing that came to me was to collaborate your, with your coach, to see your coach as a teammate. I think growing up, I kind of just followed my coach's instructions and I was in the passenger seat to the journey. And then when I became a high diver, that's when I really started to like take over and take responsibility for my career and really um, be in the decision-making process with my yeah. coach. And that gave me a lot of responsibility and um, really helped me show up much more professionally in my career and, and take it more seriously as well. I love that yeah. answer. Yeah. I absolutely love that. My favorite, I always tell my divers like, hey, my favorite thing ever is when you guys ask questions because if you ask questions, you're engaged in what you are doing. Yeah. And it challenges me to either give you the answer um, the way that I know it to be, or if I don't know, I'm going to ask somebody who will know and we can all get smarter together. And it's just like, you get that, that coach athlete relationship. And if everybody's on the same track and I mean, it's just special. 
Yeah, we're working together. We're bouncing ideas off each other. We're building this career like in tandem. I love that. Yes, very much so. All right. So what is, uh, I just have on here, what's something you're passionate about? I just like listening to people talk about their passions. Oh, right now I'm, I'm on like a self-development journey. Um, with this retirement, honestly, it's brought up a lot for me. And I really got caught in that for a while, like caught in the stirring, caught in the, the, like the fear of what's to come. And I'm really passionate now about like just celebrating life. Mm. So I've had this pivot of instead of going in and trying to figure out what's wrong and like what, what to do, just sitting back and really knowing that I've done the work on myself. I've done the work like to, to really figure out what the next stage is for my life. I know I want to be a life coach. I know I want to like host events. Um, but I really believe by just enjoying and following my, like my joy that everything's just going to fall in my lap. So my, what I'm passionate about is celebrating life and just following my joy. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. All right, Jess, who is your top ranked high diver in the world? Hmm. Like, who do I like the most? <laughs> how, how, so this question, a lot of people get really uneasy about it because you can take it however you want. If you want to be like, who do you like watching the most? Who is the most successful? Who's the best? However you wish to answer it is perfectly fine. Ooh. Hmm. Right now, I would say Rihanna Nifflin. Like, she has been on the – she's been the leader. She's been winning – uh, the women's competition for the last like seven years. We have Molly Carlson now, my teammate, mm -hmm. who's starting to creep up on her toes. But Rhiannon, she's still holding down the title. She got the King Kai Kili Trophy this year again, which is the um, the overall uh, winner for the series. And she, I know she works really hard. She just has, I think, an impeccable mindset when it comes to competing. So I love watching her compete. And she is my, she is my number one diver at the moment. Cool. I'd and love then, to hear, oh, go ahead, Heath. I was just going to say, and then who are some of the up and coming names you kind of mentioned? Molly, who are some of the other up and comers that you're like, they might be something special as they continue to develop? Yeah. So we got Molly Carlson, Xanthia and Ellie who are like mm -hmm. right on under Molly and Ree, and they're, they're coming up to the top. I see them. Um, but we also have Simone Leadhead. She's a teammate of mine. She uh, just started high diving about a year ago or less, and she's already done like the world's hardest dive standing. So wow. qualified for a position, um, a permanent position on the series this year. So I'm excited to see her grow and see her consistency grow. I know she is going to be um, up there with them as well and then we've also got Emily Chinnick from Australia and she also started high diving about a year ago or less and she's got another one of the world's hardest dive like back arm sand twister um, so these new girls they're really pushing the sport and I'm excited like I know that the new normal is going to be um, like quads, quads in all directions. Soon. Oh man. That's crazy. Yeah. So you mentioned, you mentioned the new, and I, I, I hate to poke fun because it's not, but I just know that Gary Hunt is no longer a young spring chicken. Um, but how impressive to you? Cause I, I cannot even fathom going back and forth 
he's been competing in traditional diving events and also doing this high diving stuff too. Like how, how does that even work? Yeah, I think it's, it's pretty tough to do both. We, so we got, yeah, Gary competing in both. Um, you can see that his high diving career is taking a little bit of a hit just because of the time that he puts into diving, but he's still, he's still executing. He's still doing his dives like super gracefully. Um, I'm excited to see him compete in the world championships um, in both areas. I think yeah. that's going to take a lot out of him, but um, it's going to be really cool. He's kind of like, to me at least, I could be way off from an outsider looking at this sport of high diving. He's kind of like the godfather. He's kind of yeah. the guy that, that started it. Yeah. He was successful yeah. and he stayed at the top for a really long time. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, um, what kind of extra preparation do you need to perform your best? Like, do you have a favorite food, like a routine, a stretching, a song? What, what does that look like for you? Okay. I think my preparation is about like just having fun. So I love to put on some music. I love to dance and move my body. Um, sometimes if I'm feeling like a, like a little bit self-conscious, then I try to like separate myself from the group. And so I feel free. I think that's the most important thing things I need to feel free to express myself if that's like dancing or um going for a jog or whatever that is um just figuring out how to do that and I ask myself like okay what's important for me to get in the right mindset in this situation so when I was in New Zealand we were all working out in a big room and I felt like oh there was too many people in one space so I put my headphones on I got a little space from the other athletes and then I felt like um, a, a bit more free and that I could connect to my body and put myself in the right mindset by doing that. Cool. All right, Jess, what did you study while you were at Texas A&M? And then with retirement looming, what are your plans for the future? Yeah, I studied hospitality. So my degree was called recreation, parks and tourism sciences. Um, like event planning, event coordinating. Mm -hmm. And I've loved doing this kind of stuff since I was a kid. And the funny thing is like, I would always plan events when I was a kid, but never put them into action. And I've just started to do that in the last two years is like just coming up with really fun, small, intimate events and then hosting them. So my path after diving is like it's not 100% clear and I love that because it's just like about following my joy and my passion and seeing what falls into place but it has to do with um with coaching others to be mm -hmm. more authentic and then hosting events that create connection for people and um that help people express themselves and also I want to be able to bring like enjoyment and um like pleasure not yeah like enjoyment and fun to people and so it's just about finding a way for me to do all of these things um and i'm sure i'm going to be able to do that <laughs> all right so what does success mean to you i think success means being authentic to yourself yeah to really like be true to who you are what you want and to love the pieces of you that um you might have thought were not so lovable or so good. And I think when you do that, that's when you find your, your true purpose and the way that you want to contribute to the world. And once you do that, 
whether that's you have a lot of money or you're contributing in whatever way, like as long as you are true to yourself and you're taking action on that, I believe that that is success. Cool. Yeah, very good. All right. Well, we get we'll get into our signature questions now. We ask every guest these set. So we don't treat failure like it's a bad thing, more of an opportunity for growth. You know, you either win or you learn. So from that perspective, what would you say maybe one of your favorite failures has been or you're just your best opportunity for growth? Mm. I need a moment to think about that. I don't know why this is a hard question for me. It It is a little tricky. Yeah. Maybe just something that didn't go quite as planned that you learned from and it stuck with you, whether it was the rest of your life or you fixed a, something in practice one day or. Okay, I have it. I have it. Um, so my first year competing, I was really like focused. I was really happy. I was really um, having the time of my life. And then when it came to the third year, I was trying to recreate that happiness, that enjoyment, but it wasn't quite there the same way as it was the first year. Mm. So I would say that I was like, in a way I was failing because I was trying to control um, my mood and my emotions. Whereas what I learned is that every different, every competition every day is an opportunity to start over and to just allow yourself to show up the way that you show up and give yourself compassion and grace for that, because you can compete, um, amazing when you feel good and you can also compete yeah. amazing when you feel like crap as long as you don't create this association with i have to feel good to compete well then mm. you feel however you want and then you can still compete amazing yeah. yeah that i mean i feel like that plays right into these this authenticity coaching totally. right you just rather than trying to duplicate a past result and have to be the exact same it's just not be be what you are be who you be yeah. who you are and it, that's going to be more than good enough Totally. That's awesome. All right. So what are you doing to improve? For my last competition? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, great question. Hmm. Even, even outside of diving, I, oh, it no. can be anything. Yeah. What am I doing to improve? Um, I'm really aware of where my brain goes in every moment. So I, I touched on this a little bit earlier when I'm having a difficult emotion or, um, yeah, when I'm having a difficult emotion, I'll start to go into my brain and think like, okay, what's wrong here? And this can also apply to diving because like you can get in your brain when you don't feel good and think like, okay, what's going on here. And then instead of getting stuck in that whirling and that questioning, what I'm doing is just focusing on changing my focus to something that energizes me. Mm. So that means like putting my shoulders back, taking in some deep breaths, because a lot of the time when I do this thing where I go inside, it's like a, it's an ingrained pattern that keeps me stuck from enjoying myself and growing. Um, there's this thought that I have 
that like something's in my way but the only thing that's actually is in my way is that thought something is in my way and mm. so when I notice myself going to this like yeah the swirling in the the pattern I just decide okay I'm gonna energize myself and take some deep breaths put my shoulders back and this helps me really focus on the beauty of life and like what I have to be grateful for and cool. you know I like that you asked this question because this is something that I can do for my last competition it's easy to get in my head and to swirl about the emotions I'm feeling as I compete um and it would be really cool to just like really deep like breathe deeply and enjoy my entire experience yeah yeah that's awesome so uh what is your why why do you love the sport and why do you do what you do I love the sport because it's fun. <laughs> like it can be as simple as that. Like, honestly, it's been 22 years that I've been doing this sport and it just feels like play. My favorite moments of doing the sport are when I've just been jumping off cliffs and like trying things with friends. It feels like I'm hanging out with the boys, you know, or the girls and we're just chucking things and we're like leveling each other up like one by one. And that's why I'm so attracted to the sport because high diving has felt like that. You know, we go to practice and we play. That was something that was really important for my club team. Like every Friday in the summer, we just have play time and that really filled my cup. I feel like the Red Bull series or just high diving in general has encapsulated a lot of like maybe the snowboarding community to pair with the diving community. I, I was a snowboarder um, previously before diving and it was exactly what you just described. Like we'll be out on the hill, be hitting jumps or rails, whatever it is. And then somebody will do something. It's like, okay, now I kind of want to try that. And you're constantly like one upping each other and then figuring out new ways to do new tricks, whether it's a double court 1260 or your first ever 180. It's always like, all right, let, how can we level up? But everybody's still supporting everybody. And it's, it's just the coolest like sport ever yeah yeah that's what it feels like for sure very good all right so my final one is what is your spirit animal oh spirit animal mm. i would say i'm a mermaid all right all right nice we haven't had that one yet can it be a fictional animal yes yeah, it can it can be whatever you'd like <laughs> I'm like a fabulous woman who's like swimming around in the water and just living her best life. That's me. That's, That's awesome. awesome. That's <laughs> perfect. All right, Jess, favorite drill. Um, just like backflips on the trampoline. All right. Perfect. Best advice given and or received. Okay. Um, yeah, this goes back to something I touched on earlier where every, every competition, every day is a new story. And this is every, sorry, every competition, every day is a new start. It's a new creation. I actually got this from Greg Luganis. He was giving us a little, um, like a little seminar, a little teaching one day, like we were having a Red Bull cliff diving camp. And he said that, and it really clicked for me. Um, he was like, never, never, um, create like, um, uh, you know, like a, a series or something that can't be repeatable. Because if you show up one day and you can't find your special suit or you show up one day and you can't do the special drill, then that's gonna mess with your head. But if you allow each day, each competition to be a brand new start, a brand new canvas, then you can feel however you wanna feel or you can yeah. do whatever movement feels right in that day and then still allow yourself to compete like to the best of your ability. 
Absolutely. Who would you like to hear us interview next? You actually mentioned someone before we recorded, but who would you like to hear us interview next? Yeah, next on your podcast should be Aiden Heslop. He is like, he just loves the sport so much and you can you can really hear it in his voice and see it in his face when he gets asked questions. So he should be next on your podcast. Be right. Awesome. And then what question are Aaron and I not asking that we should be? Um, Hmm. it's a tough one maybe like um favorite moment or craziest moment okay nice yeah in your in my career or in in divers careers so what would be your favorite moment in your career up to this point you still have one more meet to go that might be it that's how we'd like you to go out. Best. What are ever. what are the ages of your listeners? A- appropriate moment. <laughs> <laughs> we we say that when we talk about coaches, like that we know maybe have a wild side. We're like, give us your best so and so story that's appropriate. So uh, give us your favorite memory that's appropriate. Okay, I have a great memory. Um, so this was in Lebanon, and the waves were crazy. Uh, they they were like swells of like three meters or four meters or something. So we weren't able to get a boat to go over to the island and get up on the cliff. So we had to, they had to set up a zip line and they zip lined us across. So me and Xanthia, we were harnessed in and we were just like getting pulled across and we're dangling there. (laughs) That was a really special moment. That's cool. Super cool. Um, For all of our listeners, just a reminder, um, June 7th to the 9th, that's the first Diving Pod Clinic. You can find all that information on divingpod.com under the program's drop-down menu. But the most important thing, Jess, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Best of luck in the last meet. And I know I speak for Aaron and myself. We will be screaming and cheering for you at the World Championships in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to be here with you guys. Yes. If you're out there listening, hit us up on Instagram. We are at the diving pod and our email is the diving pod at gmail.com if you'd like a uh, look at what cowing robards does in terms of online stores go to divingpod.itemorder.com that is our online store we've got t-shirts hoodies hats for sale on there just enter dive pod at checkout all one word that gets you free shipping uh jess i'm super excited to kind of have a face with the name with you know a superstar in the sport and we get two weeks to watch you I'm super jacked up now, you know, tuning into Doha in, in Qatar there, man, it's just going to be a pleasure to see you do your thing one last time and happy retirement, man. We're rooting for you every step of the way here and beyond. So thank you. Thank you so much. All right. We'll see you next time.